stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, we are one week away from Election Day here in Alberta, although advanced polls are open this week. My next guest is uh, in the fight of her political life, attempting to win another term in office as Premier of Alberta. NDP leader Rachel Notley is in studio with us here this afternoon. Madam Premier, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Um, Just a week to go. Feels like it's been a long campaign. We're the home stretch of this now. Um, yeah, I think it, it depends on who you are and what you've been doing in the campaign. But I will acknowledge uh, that that some days it feels like it's been going on for a long time, and other days it feels like it just started yesterday. Right now, you you were wearing the premier's hat a little bit today, um, pushing back on on C sixty nine and C forty eight. What what do you say to accusations though that you, you've been slow to push back on these issues, or that we really don't have anything to show for those efforts? Both those those pieces of legislation still exist as originally written. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I would say that it's definitely not true that we've been slow to push back. We've been engaging um, uh, as as very um, fulsome way on both of those issues uh, from day one, um, outlining exactly the reasons why uh, neither are good for Alberta or good for the energy industry or good for Canada. Uh, C-69, as you know, I was uh, in Ottawa uh, about two months ago speaking directly to the committee there um, on the problems with C-69. And before going, of course, we'd been working very closely with a number of of, uh, probably surprising allies, if you were looking at me and considering who my allies would be, uh, but allies nonetheless to put together sort of a, a suite of amendments that that laid out a pretty reasonable path forward that the federal government could adopt in order to fix C-69 and and allow um, a development to continue and investment to to. Uh, to have some confidence. Um, and as, as far as uh, C-48 goes, as you know, they hadn't even planned to have hearings in Alberta. And uh, we called on them very quickly uh, and called them out for that. And so now we know that they're coming in May to uh, hold hearings on C-48. And um, so Albertans will get a chance to be heard. And I think that uh, there's there's a lot of room for change and amendment there um, if it even continues going forward. Right. But I mean, th- these, these things were main ifs. I, I think if we were in a situation where there had been changes to those laws and, and we had made progress on, on pipelines, that, that it's something you'd be holding up as a win. So doesn't it represent a, a failure then that, that we don't have anything to show? For? Not at all. Not at all. You know, I, I mean, listen, I would love uh, if we'd been able to snap our fingers and, and get pipelines. And I share the frustrations that many uh, people in Alberta have around the delay on pipelines. But let us remember, we haven't had a pipeline built to Canadian Tidewater in over 60 years. Uh, we had NEB approval. We had federal government approval. We had shovels in the ground. And then the court came along last August and said, nope, nope, you got to reconsider. But let us remember that the court basically identified two sources of problems when they did that. They said, you, Justin Trudeau, messed up in terms of consulting. And you, Stephen Harper and Jason Kenney, messed up in terms of the mandate given to the NEB at the fir- in the first place. Now, the only upside, if you can call it that, from that decision is that it laid out a pretty clear uh, set of instructions uh, to the federal government currently on how to get back to a place that, that where the court would find it acceptable. So now they're following their instructions. They're, they're assembling their pipeline kit. 
and uh, it's not as far along as it should be, but it is closer than it ever has been before. And I do believe, and you've heard me say it, that we will have uh, shovels back in the ground this fall. But we don't know that. Uh, you know, uh, all I can say is what we know is we're, we are a heck of a lot closer than we have been before, and that is something we do know. In terms of the, the economy, I, I think any government that, that's asking to be reelected has, has a legacy to defend. And I, I think it's fair to say that, that the incumbent has some accountability, some responsibility for the state of affairs. So to what degree would you say that your government bears responsibility for the state of the economy? Oh, I think, uh, you know, to, to a large degree. I mean, there's no question that uh, when you're in government, uh, first of all, uh, we have an obligation to be accountable. And, and people, of course, are going to be upset when the economy goes south, regardless of whether it was something that we could entirely control. Um, then obviously you have to be accountable. And, and I've tried to be as accountable as I can. When we got elected, as you know, uh, the price of oil was in free fall. It went a lot lower than even the Conservatives had thought it would go when they decided to call the election a year earlier than legislatively expected or required. Um, and we saw about a $10 billion loss in revenue in the first year. And of course, we saw um, probably 100,000 jobs go. Um, so we had a choice to make. We had a choice, and the choice that we made was to have Albertans back and to not make the problem worse. So we invested in infrastructure that was that was overdue, like the cancer center here in Calgary, and in protecting our hospitals and our schools, um, and uh, and also in uh, supporting a, a great deal of diversification. Um, so when we, of course, there are people still looking for work, and I think about those folks all the time. But I think it's also not unreasonable to look at what's happened in Saskatchewan, who adopted a very different approach. And their economy is not doing as well as ours. They're not creating jobs the way we are. Well, their unemployment is lower than ours. Well, it's because they're coming here. <laughs> I mean, we, we have in-migration from Saskatchewan. We have more people working now than we did before the drop of the price of oil. The, the, the reason the unemployment rate is high is because people are still flocking to Alberta. Um, uh, because we've led the country in economic growth in the two previous years. Um, so, uh, but overall, uh, what we're seeing is that, uh, um, but, but actually, I'm not even going to say that. What we know is that things have stalled, and it is our responsibility to do better. And also, I think that going forward, we have a more concrete plan for job creation and also uh, protecting our economy uh, from the ups and downs of the price in oil. Uh, something that we should have been doing a lot better for the last couple of decades. We heard from the Calgary Chamber earlier today. The Calgary and Edmonton Chambers have, have released a, a joint position paper today, you know, that, that they want to see uh, policies that are going to encourage business development. And, and they're concerned that, that you know, we've imposed too many costs on, on businesses, the carbon tax, the increase in the corporate tax rate, the uh, minimum wage increases, uh, a lot of regulation. I mean, what, what can you point to to say, here's how we've helped to ease the burden on business and, and unleash uh, that, that job growth? Well, I think it's a number of things. I think, uh, first of all, what we need to remember is that in Alberta, we still enjoy a, an $11 billion tax advantage on a per capita basis relative to the next lowest tax province in the country, uh, let alone the average tax or any of those ones. Uh, so we have maintained that tax advantage. We have also, we've cut the small bill business uh, tax by a third. Uh, we have made uh, capital, uh, investment capital available uh, for a number of different businesses uh, in a number of different settings. We've introduced the capital investment tax credit and the investment tax credit. Um, and we have done a focused investment uh, and, and set of incentives on things like energy diversification, uh, like tech, 
like supporting our post-secondary and strategic areas where they're looking for uh, trained uh, trained um, uh, employees. So we have done things. No, we have not embarked upon a, reg- uh, a, a race to the bottom. That's not the way we're going to grow our economy in Alberta. Uh, we will never win the race to the bottom. What's and the difference frankly, between being competitive mm-hmm. and, and a race to the bottom, right? I mean, you, you talk about areas where we are mm-hmm. competitive. Don't we want to be competitive? Well, that's, you know, that's a very interesting question. So I think we are competitive because we still have a very uh, robust p- uh, system of public education. I think we're competitive because we have a good health care system. I think we're competitive because we're going to bring in probably the single most effective, effective economic shot in the arm that any government can ever bring in, which is a province-wide $25 a day child care system. Those things also attract investment. And at the same time, they also contribute to the quality of life of people. We don't want to compete with the the most impoverished states in the United States. We want to be a leader, and and so it's a and so that's the difference between the race to the bottom and being competitive. And we are competitive, but I don't think we need to embark on the race to the bottom. All right. Well, in terms of paying for those programs and, and the approach you've taken as as premier, I mean, you, you campaigned on a promise to have a balanced budget by now. Mm-hmm. That that obviously didn't happen. Mm-hmm. No, that's quite true. And we were fairly clear with that uh, very early on that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, so about two years into our mandate, we released our path to balance. Uh, and we said we would be back in balance by 2023. We have since then met or exceeded our targets uh, with respect to that path to balance um, every year. Uh, and in fact, as you know, in February, a Minister CC uh, was able to announce that we uh, exceeded that this year's target by uh, at least $1.9 billion. Now, that's in contrast to my primary opponent, who originally said he was going to balance the budget only one year earlier. And now, while uh, you know issuing repeated amendments to his platform, is now saying he doesn't have a path to balance, he's just going to contract it out to a bunch of people after the election, and we should just trust him. Uh, we've laid out a path, and it involves protecting our health care, protecting our education, and adopting a reasonable approach to getting back in balance. Oh, which the other thing to remember is we have the best balance sheet in the country now, and we will in 2023 as well. But it also relies on a rebound in, in oil revenues, that, that we're still on this roller coaster mm-hmm. that you've talked a lot about us getting off of. Mm-hmm. Is there a plan to get off of that? Well, I mean, that's a really good uh, point, and, and I would have liked to have gotten off it sooner, but, you know, we, we that, there's a lot of different uh, pressures that we're managing at the same time. That's why we're investing in the biggest, single biggest made in Alberta energy diversification plan uh, since the days of Peter Lougheed. And that plan, uh, ba- building off of what we've already done over the last three years, would see uh, a $7 billion package of incentives bringing in about $70 billion of private sector investment by 2030. All of it in upgrading and refining and processing our natural resources. And so it acts as a hedge because if we're in the business of refining or upgrading or processing, when the, nat- when the commodity price goes down, the, the processor actually makes more money. And so finally, those jobs would, would, would uh, uh, resist the, and, uh, the vulnerability that happens when the international commodity price goes up and down. So I've been in Alberta my whole life. And I've heard people talk about why can't we do this for decades. And I'm very proud that our plan 
plans to do that. And that's how we get off the roller coaster. Right. The, the promises you made during this campaign seem to be above and beyond what was committed to in, in recent budgets. Are, are, are we talking about additional promises that you're going to have to find additional funds for? Not at all. Uh, so uh, certainly it's above and beyond the budget that we introduced in 2018. Uh, but if you look at our path to balance that was introduced in Q3, uh, everything in there is funded. And so it's all part of that. The credit downgrades that, that we've seen and the, and the market suggesting that they don't see a, a plan that they can have confidence in, what, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, I, you know, different credit uh, agencies have different uh, uh, um, projections. Um, we we do see some of them saying that, uh, you know, we do still have the best, the best balance sheet in the country and uh, that we are also planning outward and we're more trans, uh, transparent than any other jurisdiction in the country in terms of how much information we give. And um, so that's that's what we're doing. I know the credit agencies would like to see us bring in a sales tax. I mean, that is what would get our credit rating back up to a double A or whatever. But uh, I am not going to bring in a sales tax. So that's just is what it is. So you're committed to not bringing a sales tax. That's in. right. Yeah. Uh, but the carbon tax remains. Is, is that going to that is going to increase in the future? Well, I, I do want to clarify that because, of course, Mr. Kenny loves to go on about that. But uh, when Mr. Kenny says that, what, he's, he, what he should say is, uh, uh, you know, Premier Nott is going to increase the carbon tax because she is going to succeed in getting a pipeline to Tidewater and she deserves credit for getting a pipeline to Tidewater. Now, strangely, he never actually says that when he says that. Uh, but I've been very clear that we will uh, uh, buy into the increase in the carbon tax uh, when we get a pipeline to Tidewater. And, uh, and I believe that we'll be able to afford it uh, when that happens. But um, uh, I have not said that otherwise. In terms of how you've approached this campaign, you've obviously mentioned your, your chief opponent uh, several times during this conversation. What, what do you say to accusations that it's been a lot of negative campaigning? You've got a lot of ads that target Jason Kenney. I think three different websites that target Jason Kenney. Is, is it too negative? Uh, you know, it, it, no, it's not too negative, but it is negative for sure. Um, and there's no question it's different than the campaign last time when there was, you know, Brian Jean and, and Jim Prentice. Um, uh, Mr. Kenny uh, has uh, brought in a number of uh, unconventional elements to this campaign. And uh, I think that the people of Alberta need to have a full understanding of what those are. And if they choose them, that is fine. Uh, it's, neg it's it not negative to uh, talk about the facts. And the facts are he has a number of candidates that he is attracted to his party, who have articulated uh, some disturbing views on matters of LGBTQ rights, on on uh, on uh, Islamophobia, on on race, on on women's rights, and uh, and so people need to know that. Uh, he also uh, the campaign um, to the the overall UCP leadership campaign is subject to. Uh, investigation by the RCMP, and people need to know that as well. Now, they may still decide that's something that's okay with them, but I just don't think that we can have this campaign and somehow apologize for not ensuring that Albertans have those things in front of them. Sure, and, and if you want to point to something that, that a candidate has said, including Jason Kenney, that, that's fair to me. What, what seems like over-the-top rhetoric when you've 
accused him of wanting American-style health care or that you would have to have a credit card to, to access the new oh, cancer center. That, that seems unfair to me. No, because he's actually, uh, th- that is very much linked to things he said. He's spoken with uh, great admiration about the uh, systems of uh, surgeries that are, private surgeries that well, are... In Saskatchewan? No, B.C., so he's, well, I understand the Saskatchewan model, but he's also talking about BC. And BC is where you have uh, Brian Day's clinics, the Canby Clinic, and where what happens there is people uh, buy a membership into that clinic, and by paying for that membership, they then... Right. So, but no, they, what they do is they, if their membership there, then they get an accelerated uh, access to certain um, uh, publicly funded um, uh, procedures. And so what it does is it creates, it's, it's, a, it's a, a way to use money to Q-jump. And, and he has spoken uh, favorably about that model. And it is that which, uh, on which I, I rest my assertion, that that is what he's interested in doing. All right. And just in closing, you've been spending a lot of time in Calgary. Calgary's an obvious uh, battleground in this election. Do you feel as though, given the changing dynamics from, from four years ago, that you would have to actually exceed what you managed to do in Calgary absolutely. in 2015 to be successful? In terms of the amount of support, absolutely. We'll have to get a higher level of support than we did last time. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, we're getting a great reception and uh, we're just going to keep campaigning and see what happens. I mean, I think our government has uh, been there for Calgary, whether you're talking about Springbank, which quite frankly, our opposition is all over the map on, uh, the Bow River uh, uh, flood protection plan, our investment in the cancer, Calgary Cancer Institute, uh, the Green Line. Um, we've, we've done a lot of things uh, to stick up for the folks of Calgary and we'll continue to do that. All right. Madam Premier, thanks so much for coming in here today. All the best in the uh, final week of the campaign. Thank you. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.